You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, I am your host, as always, Evan Sidery, right over at Bright Side of the Sun SB Nation. I have a very special guest for you today, and it's Cole Zwicker of the Stepian, and we're also joined by Arizona Sports Zone, Kellen Olson. How are you guys doing today? I can't complain. I'm all right, man. I'm not the special guest, but I'm all right. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hey, we're gonna we're gonna touch on a lot of subjects today on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to this episode. And I know you guys actually had a podcast over on Arizona Sports with Kevin Zimmerman. If you haven't checked that out, you guys you should check that before you listen to this. It's a really good episode if you haven't checked it out already. But we're gonna touch on today's big game, which is Oklahoma versus West Virginia. And I know the Trey Young fascination has really swept over nationwide. And we'll start off with Cole, and then we'll go to Kellen. Just what was your impressions today from Oklahoma's loss against? West Virginia from Javon Carter's perspective and also Trey Young. Young finished with 32 points and one, and I believe one assist. Yeah, I think a lot of people point to the one assist, but it seemed like West Virginia was definitely playing him to score, and he was able to do that pretty consistently. I liked what Long Kruger did, letting other guys bring the ball across half court, kind of preserve Trey to go one-on-one in the half court. I thought he won most of the matchups there, got to the rim, was able to you know use, utilize his floater, he struggles a little bit with Javon Carter's strength just because Carter is so physically strong. He can apply back pressure, and Young can't keep him in jail and out of the play. And Carter, of course, has those ridiculously fast hands and had six deals tonight, I believe. Runs by Trey. Again, I think people will allude a lot to the lack of assists. That was more just a schematic thing for me, and he had some should-be assists, as usual. He had about four or five of those like he does in every game. So I think he did prove a little bit. I thought his shot selection the first time around in Morgantown – was far more suspect. He took a lot of contested threes. This one, he took a couple of those, but for the most part, I thought he did a better job getting to the rim. And he continues to answer the questions about, is this guy athletic enough? He wins enough individual matchups where I think you can project him comfortably now to be a, a plus there. Like, he's not going to ha- he's not like lack of athleticism is going to kill him or anything like that. So I was impressed. Yeah, he should be happy with a guy like Carter, in my opinion, having someone like him to match up with because he's the prototypical plus point guard defender that he's going to be facing in the NBA like if you're looking at guys to stop young with what he does physically I think that would be it and to me what I see from that is that Carter is challenging him with the strength like Cole said but I think in terms of getting to his spots he's still managing to get to his spots and still shooting over some really rough contests and things like that and still having a little bit of that Steph kind of stuff where he's just managing to still get his shot off at these really difficult angles and even with good contests just shooting over them and it doesn't really matter because he's that elite of a shooter so I think it was another really good game that showed an example of really the type of prospect Trey is shooting 10 of 20 when your role completely changes that's still pretty impressive to me hey Cole I know you touched on with the one assist I I noticed as well like with his ball movement, it, he really should be credited more than one assist in games like this but as far as hockey assists go and like secondary assists goes I've noticed that a lot in Young's game, that a lot of his offense, even if you count those secondary assists, that would boost his assist numbers even to a crazier number. Just how much of a flow does Trey Young have in Oklahoma's offense and just how special of a gift is, is that does, does Young possess? Yeah, he just has a ton of self-gravity as they're pretty much their only primary creator type. Like He's the only guy who can create consistently for himself and especially for others. So you see the emphasis defenses put on him. And that's why you have so many secondary assists because he's usually putting his teammates in some kind of advantage situation. In the first West Virginia game, they pressed the hell out of him. 
and you saw just the dynamic effect that could have those hit ahead passes would get his teammates situations. So yeah, he, he does create secondary assists, hockey assists, because you know he's really unselfish. He'll move the ball. He'll find the open guy, and in most of the circumstances he's in, he's drawing so much attention that the defense is already bent. And then as far as Javon Carter goes, we can start off with Kellen and then go back to Cole. Just He's just a dog out there. He has a, a really great defensive mentality. His shot has improved every single year he's been in college, especially from three-point range. He'd be a really good fit alongside Booker if that Miami pick maybe went down a little further into the late first round. Just what's your thoughts on Carter's overall game and really his overall fit in Phoenix? If it if that pick didn't end up, end up around, like, let's say, 24, 23, I think Carter would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think defense and shooting are obviously the two things you need to value the most when you're looking next to whoever's going to play next to Booker. And I think Carter checks both of those from what he's shown at West Virginia this year. The thing about someone like Booker and his primary initiator stock, uh, if you want to call it that, using Cole's term there, seeing him as a primary initiator, I think that you can take someone like Carter and make him more useful because I don't think you necessarily look at a guy like Carter and see him running your offense every time down, seeing him more in a supplementary role. And I think that's where he can fit well next to someone like Booker. I think he's definitely, um, I think he's definitely a guy that if that pick is in the 20 to 25 range, there's a lot of guys we're going to touch on today that fit really well with what they're doing. But I think he's a guy that they have to keep an eye on. And I wouldn't be surprised if they target someone more experienced and more NBA ready uh, like him. And Cole, as far as Carter's overall pro prospectus and his overall fit alongside other point guards in this class, there's a lot in that 20 to 25 range that are really intriguing prospects like Landry Shaman, for example, Shake Milton. Just how does a guy like him shake out compared to the rest of them? Yeah, I think all those guys, Kellen alluded to this, most of those guys aren't really point guards. They, they'll guard point guards at point of attack, and I think that's where Carter's value really sees that full optimization is that he's got the fast hands he's got enough quickness i don't think he's a super quick athlete but he anticipates really well and he's really strong so i think he'll guard point guards kind of like in that patrick beverly mold that's kind of how i see him as that high energy guy that you want there as far as in reference to like a guy like landry shamet i think shamet's a better shooter he's more of like a patty mills type jay-z Maslis who writes for the stepping had that comparison that kind of liked um and then shake milton has the better size i think he might even be a better bet to shoot as well especially off the catch that dogged approach with how he defends. I don't know if a lot of other guys in this class bring that intersection of just elite energy, uh, instincts, and then, of course, again, the fast hands. You just can't overrate that because his steals are ridiculous, and they always have been. He's, he always generates events, and that's something you really look for um, guarding NBA-caliber athletes. Hey, Kellen, as far as the point guard prospects in the late first round, like all these guys jumbled up, like Shamit, Carter... Not, maybe not even shy anymore because I feel like his stock's going to really start soaring in the next couple months. But in those cluster of guys in the late first round, who's your really your favorite guy right now? Um, he might be. I. It's really tough to get a feel for where he's at right now because he's not playing. But I really like Anthony Melton a lot. Uh, in terms of guys for the Suns, I'm not sure he's perfect because I think you have to have a jump shot that's reliable, and I'm not sure about Melton's. But I think he is taking essentially what we like about Carter in a way, not necessarily strength-wise, but just in terms of the primary skill being defense and just looking at someone at the point guard position who can bring you just a ton of talent and his overall pluses are all with his defensive ability. And I think that's where you look at him as maybe a better fit overall for the Suns than some of these other guys. 
but I think there still needs to be some offensive talent there, and that's where I question with him. I think his overall prospects, I think I like him the most, but I'm honestly not in love with anyone. I think Shake Milton is the guy that outlines the best, but it's really tough to get someone that's ready for this type of role because I think it's the type of role they want someone to be ready in year one, year two, and have it act quickly, and I'm not sure anyone in this range is there. So I'll probably say Melton and then maybe Shake, but I'm not – I like the prospects, but I just don't like them in Phoenix, uh, if that makes sense, which it probably doesn't because the Suns obviously need like a point guard and all these guys are kind of point guards in a way. But that's how I overall feel about this range, at least right now. Yeah, Cole, how would you feel about those cluster of guys shaking out? Who's your favorite so far? I mean, I'm, I'm with Cal on, on D'Anthony Melton. We just haven't seen the jump shot. He had his elbow out last year, and mechanically it's not perfect, but he brings so many things to the table as far as just being kind of a Marcus Smart type of defender. Not doesn't have the, the strength level, but I think he has the instincts as like a team defender. And as a passer, he, he's really good there, and he probably has a little bit more juice you know, getting to the rim at times. So I'm a really big fan of him. It's, it's so hard at this juncture to really sift through these kind of secondary ball handlers. I mean, Shea, I think, is above them a little bit now, even though I don't know how much of his game is going to translate to the next level. He's super crafty, and you see, like, the length extension finishes when he gets to the rim. He doesn't really have the vertical pop, but I do like him a lot. It's tough. It kind of depends on what you need. I think for the Suns, if they want an NBA-ready player who's going to play both sides, Carter makes a lot of sense. If they want a little bit higher upside guy, maybe Shake Milton. I don't know if the upside is that much more considerable, honestly. It just kind of goes to whose jump shot do you believe the most? For me, that guy's probably Milton. So if you want that shoe-in shooting, for sure, and you're not going to get elite defense from any of these guys, even you know if Javon Carter has a Patrick Beverly-type defensive year, we're talking about like a plus-two defender, and we know that point-of-attack defenders aren't as valuable as wing defenders. So if a team really needs shooting, that's going to factor into the calculus. And I'd, I'd probably lean shake there, even though I think all these guys, like Kyrie Thomas is another guy we didn't talk about. Same kind of 3 and D, more of a wing type. I think people view him more as a wing, but kind of the same archetype. All these guys are, at best, your secondary ball handler. So that's those are some of the guys I'd look at. Hey, Kellen, as far as the Suns prototype, as far as what you want to put alongside Booker in the backcourt, I've touched on it on the podcast, but... A guy like Frank last year, let's say Jackson was on the board, I feel like Frank would have been the perfect combo. We're going to probably think about that for a while. But as far as guys that fit that prototype, I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander makes a lot of sense for that. And we can touch on him a little bit right now. Just what have you liked so far about his game? Because I looked up his stats recently. I think his conference play per 36, it's 14, 16 points per game, four rebounds, six assists, two steals, and I believe almost 35% from three-point range. So... Just what's your thoughts on Shea and his overall game? I feel like he's going to be one of those guys, on my board at least, who I think is firmly in the lottery probably in the next six weeks or so. Whoa, interesting. Um, I don't have him that high. You're not going to believe this, but who people who listen to Cole and I talk about basketball a lot, I agree with Cole on some of his skills. I just am confused at when, – when I'm looking at players, I think the first thing I look at obviously is like what they do, what they do well, what they don't do well, like main strengths and weaknesses. And then I look at – how those are going along during the season while also trying to figure out how they translate. And to me, a lot of those things with Shea, I'm just not sure how they translate. His sort of herky-jerky style attacking the basket is is unique, and I think the way that he sets up his teammates as well is good. But I think most of his stock is going to be defensively. I'm not 100% sure that his offense will translate, and I think you need his slashing kind of playmaking acumen to 100% transfer to buy him as a lottery talent because I think you need that as a staple. 
I know the three-point shooting is somewhat promising, but 31 attempts, he's shooting 39%, which is good. But 31 attempts, I'm, I'm not so sure about the form. So w- with him, I think there's something there if the Suns land in a situation where they have two to three first-round picks and that second first-round pick or third first-round pick, they just want to take a shot. And I think he's a guy that you can definitely uh, take a shot with. But he's another guy where I look at him and he's young. And he has these unique traits going for him right now that if he pans out, he's really going to pay off for the team that selects him. But I just think there's a high risk factor with him. And the thing that's the inverse of this class is that I talked about how much I like these guys in this range, but don't necessarily like them for the Suns. What I do like about them so much is that a lot of them seem like guys who are going to figure out a role in the NBA. I don't know how significant it's going to be, but they're going to have a role. And with, with Shea, I think there's a lot of bust potential there, actually. And that's where I don't think the Suns can really take someone that has that type of potential, and I think he's one of those guys. Now, Cole, with a guy like Shea, who's at 6'6", with a 7-foot wingspan, I feel like that's those prototype of guys being more valued in today's NBA as far as versatility goes, especially on the defensive end. We'll touch on a guy like Mikhail Burgess later on the podcast as well as that category goes, but as far as Shea and that overall prototype of defensive versatility is, how how is that important in today's NBA, and just how does that really helps Shea in his overall profile? Well, I think, first of all, it makes him kind of a two-position defender, at least. He can guard most two guards, which a lot of point guards can't. You see six three guys who can't switch, and we know how valuable switching is. Look at the Boston Celtics. They've been consistently probably a top-three defense this year. It's not like they have the most high-intellect defenders. They just have a bunch of guys who can swap positions. With them, of course, they have bigger you know, wing types. And that's kind of the delineation I'd make with Shea a little bit. He's not that strong. He does have the length, but I'm not sure if he has the frame. Maybe he has some physical upside, but at least, you know, you're probably going to get point of attack defense with his length. He's really good at applying back pressure and using his length there. I'm not sure how like ultra quick he is, but he's smart. He anticipates and he can track guys around the top of screens. So yeah, he's better than a one position defender, unless that one position is a really knockout defender. You have to be an elite point guard defender to matter. And, Shea at least gives you a little bit more versatility. You can defend some bigger 3 and D wing types at times. Guys who don't have that kind of post-creation that can knock him off his spots. So I do think he has a lot of value. I'm just, again, similar to Callan, I'm just not sure how the overall game translates. The three-point shooting is not very convincing. For the Suns, I don't, know, I don't expect Lonnie Walker to fall that far in the first round. But if we're talking about potential secondary ball handlers that you really just have to value shooting – Trust his jump shot a little more than a guy like Shea. Ultimately, I think both of those guys are probably top 20 guys. But for Shea, I think you kind of have to buy the jump shot to really matter that much because you're not talking about like a Robert Covington wing type where you can switch on to, you know, combo forwards. I don't think Shea is that. So that, I think that's an important delineation. Hey, Cole, as far as scouting goes, and I know you're you're one of the best out there right now. I read Stepien a lot, and your your work is one of the best out there. As far as your scouting profile goes and looking at prospects, is shooting one of the top things you look at, like top one, top two things you look at as far as a prospect goes? Because I feel like outside of versatility in today's NBA, shooting is just so valuable. Yeah, and shot diversity as well, not just off the catch, but off the dribble shooting is tremendously valuable. Even for the bigs, you look at Anthony Davis, Bookie Cousins, Joel Embiid, all those guys have face-up games where they can shoot off the dribble a little bit. When you think about it, like how many guys that are elite players can't shoot? You know, even LeBron's had some down seasons as a shooter, but he can get to the rim. Like Giannis types, those guys can get to the rim regardless. You really have to shoot unless you are that special finishing type. Even with a guy like Simmons, he has to improve his finishing to reach that next level. He brings like elite level passing anticipation. He has the frame. So I think overall, 
shooter types that don't defend, those guys get a little classically overrated, like a Buddy Heel going sixth in the draft when his creation acumen isn't there. Like those types, I, I think the league probably values too highly. But shooting as a skill, I mean, when you talk about a secondary creator type in the NBA, if you're not like the principal ball handler, and that's probably even more important for them to shoot off the dribble, especially to kind of bend defenses with so teams can't just go under screens. But if you're a guy that plays off the ball, if you're a wing, no, because you don't have the ball and you got to provide spacing. So shooting is definitely a, a top skill. I, I don't know how much I could value anything else above like maybe big man defense ahead of that. It's just You just have to have it if you're so many different kinds of players. I would say 95% of perimeter players have to shoot. Yeah, I have very similar thoughts to that as well. And Kellen, are you on the same page as Kohler? Yeah, I think looking at this class, it's something Cole's talked about before with me, is that it's really impressive how many of these guys can shoot, particularly the big men. But Bagley is someone I look at who, if we just had a reliable jump shot on him right now, now we can like debate how reliable his jump shot actually is. But if he had like a for sure like consistent three-point shot that we were believing in, then he could potentially, in some cases, like be the number one player in this class. It's just that's how crucial and important it is for a guy. I think Jared Jackson Jr. is someone who you look at him offensively. Dragan Bender is a really good recent example of this too. It's like you might have doubts about his offensive role, but if he can shoot, he's at least going to be useful on the offensive end. And we've seen that with Dragan playing this year where he's been useful. So I think it's really that important. It's that boomer bust. Like if Marquise Chris was shooting 27 to 30% from three, we would have major, major concerns about him, but he's proven he's at least a better shooter than that. And I think there are countless examples across the board. DeAndre Aiden's another guy who has a ton of more value because of his projectable shooting. And McCall Bridges is another guy who I feel great about just because he's not only a good shooter, he's a pretty good shooter, might be a great shooter. So I think that's where value just in terms of recent examples has shown that, that it's really important. Yeah, as far as that goes, and I feel like a very inconsistent guy on that category is Troy Brown from Oregon. And Cole, I know my co-host Brendan Clean's really high on Troy Brown, and I feel like he, he feels like he'd be a secondary ball handler in positionless types of lineups. Just if that Miami pick is around, let's say, 14 to 17, I feel like he might be the ideal guy in what the Suns want to do. Just your overall profile on Troy Brown, how does he grade out as far as a pro prospect? Because I really like him as far as his overall untapped potential goes. Yeah, I have him number 13, I think, right now. So that's right in the range for me. Um, I've always been a huge fan of his, just watching him at lower levels of play, like the hoops. I mean, he just plays the right way. Um, he's a good team defender. He knows where to be. He's a good passer. He's a high school point guard, which I love. I love when wings are high school point guards and they control like the flow. They have the ball skills. He has the dribbling and the passing since progress. He's gotten more comfortable. The jump shot is ultimately his swing skill, of course. His mechanics are fine. I, he, I know he gets some Evan Turner comparisons. I think the attempts and the percentage, I mean, he's not shooting a very good percentage on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes, like a really low percentage, and I think that's going to improve just with some more consistency. I don't think his shot is bankable as far as translating, but I don't view him as a non-shooter. I think there's potential there, and again, he's one of the youngest guys in the class. The athleticism, he's not a dynamic athlete. I mean, I think he's a pretty average wing a level but he does have maybe some physical upside uh, with his frame. We'll see how if he can add like core strength and if he can get, I don't know, like more lean muscle. There, there probably is enough to work with there as a template because he has the IQ in my opinion. I just don't like his technique. You know, he, he a lot of the times he bends too far over defensively. It seems like he's always hunched when he runs the floor. So there's a lot of little details about him that I think maybe mixed, honestly, just with better instruction. Maybe you can 
kind of get a little bit more athleticism out of him. But I'm, I'm a, overall, I'm a, I'm a fan. I like him as far as you know his age, his defensive acumen, as, as far as team smarts. And I am a little bit higher on the shot making. And when you pair that with his playmaking, the secondary role, it kind of reminds me of like a Chris Middleton type. Yeah, as far as sleepers in the draft goes, there's one guy that always rises up draft boards after the combine. I feel like Troy Brown makes a lot of sense as far as that goes. I know it's pretty early to say that right now, but do you feel the same way as that goes right now, at least right now in early February, Cole? Yeah, that's tough because I don't think he's going to be any kind of combine warrior or anything. I mean, he's going to measure well. I don't think he's going to test well for the teams that really put emphasis on, like, no-step vert and all of those athletic categories. I'm not sure if he's going to really going to shine in that setting. He's not. He's probably not going to play 5-on-5, five five. I mean, with how the combine set up now. So maybe, like, interviews. I, th- I know he's really smart and he comes off really well. So maybe personal interviews, he rises. I'm not sure if the athleticism tests are going to do him much justice. But, yeah, you could see a situation where he, he could gain some uh, late steam late in the process. Yeah, I know, Kellen, Troy Brown's not a guy that's been on your early boards. I think maybe he's outside your lottery right now, probably around the middle first round, I'd say, maybe 15, 18, if I'm just guessing. But what's your overall thoughts on Troy Brown? Because I know we saw McDonough was at the Arizona State game last month. He was there to see Troy Brown. Yeah, uh, I was at that game. I agree with a lot of what Cole said. There's a lot I don't like about him, but it's so incremental and the incrementally it's like it's pretty small and I think there's a lot of course correction there. I think the main point to make here is that the draft really drops off somewhere between eleven to fifteen, maybe even like ten to fifteen, depending on how you feel about guys like Kevin Knox, Robert Williams and from 13, 14, 15 on, I think that's where someone like Shea, for example, like on your board, you might have in a lottery. I don't even disagree with something like that because I think once you get to 13, 14, 15, you just pick someone that you're comfortable with in terms of like maybe them as a potential gamble on their upside. That's where I've had Lonnie Walker a lot because I'm a huge Lonnie Walker guy. But Troy, I see the reason for him. And something I'll add with a son's twist on it is that he is the guy like Brendan is talking about like the quick point you made there with what he said is like the positionless basketball can handle the ball can shoot it he has a lot of check marks there for what they've been looking for in their recent draft picks and someone like like them taking Jaron Jackson Jr. and Troy Brown would be the most like Phoenix Suns draft picks ever just because of how many different uh, things those guys do and how much versatility they bring and Brown to me is someone that's going to need to be developed the right way but he has this legitimate NBA wing size, at least uh, for me, going up close and seeing him in person. Like, he's a legitimate NBA wing, and you see him handle the ball, and there's a lot of promise there. But I'm with Colin even more so, like, negatively, that there's just a lot to fix there, but there's reason to be optimistic. I'd have him in, like, probably, like, 16, 17, 18, like you said, somewhere around there. So I think with the Miami pick, if he's available in, like, 18, 19, 20, I think he's someone the Sun should consider. It's just the question of if they have a spot for him. Now we can start to segue into those top 10 guys on our boards. And I'm going to touch real quick from what James Jones said in our interview on Brightside Night. He mentioned just how important today is with versatility in the NBA. And that, right when he said that, it brought to my mind guys like Mikhail Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr. I know, Cole, you're a very big fan of Triple J. And now I'm really starting to join the train. Now he's probably going to be number three or number four on my board on my next update. So I'm really buying him on my, on his overall stock. So just those types of prototypes, Cole, like McHale and Triple J, how valuable are those guys in today's NBA? I categorize them as superstar role player types, and that's not meant as a slight. It's just if you can't create at a super high level, that's kind of what I put you into if you're really good. And they bring 
potentially elite ancillary skills. Like Jaron Jackson's the best defender in college basketball right now. He's one of the best defensive prospects for a big man I've ever seen. Honestly, I haven't been covering the draft that long, but I would imagine it was something similar to Anthony Davis. He is so good. His instincts and his ability to react quickly is ridiculous. And his motor, he finishes plays. He's, he's got pretty much the entire package that you'd want defensively outside of just that ridiculous girth. Like he's not built like DeAndre Ayton, but he has the instincts. He has the anticipation. He has the reactionary athleticism that you look for. I mean, he can definitely switch. He's more like he's more Draymond-esque than he is just like a steadfast you know, five guy that's not going to be able to play in space. Like, I think he can guard a little bit in space. He's really controlled on closeouts. I like a lot of his footwork. He's quick enough. We'll see, like, how strength acquisition affects his game. And offensively, he can shoot the three. I think the form isn't great. He has kind of a push shot that he had that goes away from his body, but off the catch and on pick-and-pop situations, he's shown proclivity there. We've seen him put the ball on the floor, like, against Illinois, where it wasn't just, like, attacking closeout. He, like, crossed the guy up and then dunked. Like, that's that's rare to have in a six foot 11 guy at potentially elite and consistently elite defense at the NBA level, just because of how he quarterbacks that defense. He's really vocal, really animated, kind of has a little KG esque vibe to him. So I've really value him highly. I think him along with Mikhail, who's kind of the wing version of him, just a team defender. Like his instincts are so great. And he also brings that length and the athleticism. He can switch probably four positions uh, depending on who the, the guy is as far as I have my doubts he can guard like a Paul Mills type guy in the post just because he doesn't have incredible girth he's kind of on the lighter end this year he's shown the shot confidence he can shoot a little bit off motion and I really believe in the shot I think even some dribble jump shots this year he's made I'm not sure if he's going to be like a high level creator I don't think that's probably fair to project him as that but in his role for what he is at the NBA level how many guys really bring his skill set at an elite level like Ben Rubin always compares him to like a Shane Battier type who was like the consummate role player. And that's the kind of upside I think that he has. He has the smarts, he has the athleticism, and he has the skill level. So both of those guys are probably going to be devalued by a lot of mainstream draft coverage. You see a guy like Bagley, Aiton, all of those guys who can really score. And I think the ancillary skills that might actually be more valuable from Jaron Jackson and Mikael Bridges could ultimately trump that as far as contributing to winning basketball. Yeah, I'll start off with Cole here and then go to Kellen, but I saw the entirety of the Michigan State-Indiana game, and the first eight to ten minutes of that game by Triple J was one of the most dominant performances as far as rim protection goes that I've seen in a long time, even better than Bamba on most occasions in the games that I've seen at least. Just from that perspective, seeing him against IU and how he did, did that just validate what you said so far, Cole? And just I feel like once he gets his untapped potential offensively, he only, I think he's like the fourth fourth option, third option at most in the Michigan State offense. Just if he's able to get in the perfect system offensively, just say like like a Dallas or a Phoenix, do you feel like he could be almost like a Carl Anthony Towns type? Because I know I checked his per 36 numbers, per 40 numbers. They're almost identical right now. It's tough with Towns just because Towns had the more projectable jump shot. Like he could legit shoot off the dribble and he brings the ball back more towards the top of his forehead and he can shoot on movement over contests that's literally the one area of jaron jackson's game i don't feel comfortable about it was him like facing up in the mid post squaring up and hitting a face-up jump shot over length in the nba that's gonna be tough just given his mechanics maybe he can alter that i don't think he's as fluid as towns towns is like ridiculously fluid as far as putting the ball on the floor as a self-creator like getting to the basket nobody really has that kind of fluidity i think that jackson does have untapped potential as far as even in self-creation situations i think he can take guys off the dribble a little bit and we start to see that manifest as the season goes on utilize that way so we haven't seen a lot of it consistently but i think the flashes are more important in this aspect 
So yeah, I can I can see the parallels to an extent. I don't think that Jackson's ever going to be a town level scorer because those guys just don't come along very often. I mean, even like Towns had the blocks in college. He had a better overall skill set than you get. He gets credit for in retrospect now because now everybody thinks he's like a tire fire defensively. He was a good defender in college. I think that Jaron Jackson is a great defender in college. Yeah, Cole, or Kellen, do you feel the same way as far as Cole goes there on Triple J? Um, I have a, a little bit lower than both of you. I'm in around six to seven, but that's just with the anecdote that I think like three to seven in this class right now is super close for me. I have Aiton and Doncic as the two guys up top, and then three to seven for me. I just It's going to be really tough for me to rank those guys for the next couple of months and figure out where they want to go. Uh, to take the other side of the Jackson argument, I just think I'm not sure how high you can rank him based on this specific class. Ranking someone like Dragon um, fourth, and Dragon's the comparison I always come back to him just because they're completely different players in a lot of different ways, but it does come with a lot of their value is like these little things that they do offensively. They can hit a shot, they can make the right pass, they can take some people off the dribble, but then defensively is where they really shine. Of course, defensively, both of them are different. Jackson much more of like a natural rim protector and shot blocker whereas Dragon is much more of a switch and slide guy but to me I think how high can you rank someone in this class when you have doubts about how they can consistently create their own shot I know we value offense and defense we tend to value defense a lot more than the traditional crowd or what what have you but I still think there is some value in offense and just simple self-creation terms and I think there are there is a lot of potential there for Jackson to do it but uh, like you said it's been this interesting spot where kind of with Wendell Carter where we're just never going to know how he looked as like a second or first option there's a chance that if we see him in a better role that we do see him score more and then he's for sure just like a top three guy in this class but we just don't know that right now and for me I don't know that either and that's why I have him ranked more outside the top five than in right now I just have doubts about his complete offensive capabilities because the form has me worried with someone like that Dragon, i was very convinced about his form whereas jackson like cole's mentioned there's more reasons to be concerned i still think he's going to be a fine shooter at the next level but i just think if there's a chance if there's a reason to be more concerned about that one thing that we're locked in on his offense i'm going to be a little bit more concerned but i think looking at guys like bomba bagley etc i could see myself moving him up over him but I'm just a bit concerned about the overall offensive value, and maybe that's where I'll bounce it back to Cole here and make the argument for either, like, why there's more reason to be optimistic there or kind of both in that, like, his defense is just so valuable. We have to account for that even more. Yeah, I think that's both of those things. I think the defense could potentially be the best in the NBA, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I just, again, I've never seen reactionary abilities like he does. He overhelps if – Crazy, like he he will help on literally every drive, and most of it's productive. I'd say probably like ninety five percent is productive, and when it's not, he gets yanked by Izzo, which is kind of hilarious. But he really does have the IQ, and he has the range, the length, all of that stuff. Where I think he could, as far as in and out, he's going to bring that effort every single night defensively and offensively. I think I've seen enough flashes. I'm big on coordination baselines, like foundations. I think he's shown the ability to dribble even at lower levels. Like he could grab and go. Um, he didn't have the same physique in high school, of course. Like he really, between his senior year of high school and his freshman year at Michigan State, but I think we've seen enough from him as a ball handler where I think he can be. He has some upside there. He has the coordination. He's not super high level. He's not like Blake Griffin, of course, but I think he can dribble in tighter spaces. He can pass a little bit. 
again, the, the pull-up jumper is really the only thing that has me a little bit leery just because I think that is a really huge part to the modern big man game, the ability to face up, take somebody off the bounce. I think he can get to the rim. He's not the most explosive athlete. I think that's something we didn't touch on as a limitation. He is not finishing that well around the rim this year. I think that'll probably improve a little bit with NBA space, honestly, but concern. Overall, I just think you can't really profile him confidently. He's not Anthony Davis offensively. He's not going to like run off a pin down take a dribble and like shoot over the top like a fadeaway. I don't think he's that caliber of offensive player. But if he can be like a Chris Bosh Miami player, occasionally take guys off the dribble and be a much better rim protector, I think that's his value on a winning team is kind of that kind of archetypal role. Do you feel like with Triple J, Cole, that he's a guy that could legitimately guard one through five? Because I got that impression seeing him over the last couple of weeks, and I feel like legitimately guys that could guard one through five are something that really have never been around the NBA. Yeah, I'm kind of big on delineations there just because I don't really believe that there are true switch bigs in the league outside of Draymond, who just is so good with his positionality. Like, he's so good in IQ-wise at setting up in the right spaces. It's just it's hard to switch one through five consistently. I think he can do it in a pinch. Like, if you have him on an island against a primary ball handler that's a point guard in the NBA, I'm not sweating bullets. Like, a lot of these guys, I think he moves well enough there. And his ability and his effort to, like, finish plays – so to turn and chase guys on drives, I think he's going to apply back pressure. He has the length to kind of erase mistakes. So th- there is some allure there. I'm not sure if he's like a quote-unquote switch guy where you're just going to switch everything with him and he's going to guard everybody off ball, on ball, ball with him in space. I'll, I'll say that. Kellen, with Triple J, I feel like if the pick somehow conveys around, let's say, four to seven, I feel like at this point I've, with the Suns it's likely that unless the lottery balls once again don't go their way, they're likely destined for a top three pick. But let's say in this scenario it's four to six and Triple J sitting there on the board and Chris and Bender are still on the roster, also Josh Jackson. How's a guy like Triple J fit into this roster? Because I feel like I had an article on this a few weeks ago, but maybe we're kind of underselling his overall value on a, on a fit like this alongside pieces already like Jackson and Bender. Um. Yeah, I think it just depends on – it, it really depends on a lot of the outlook from the Suns' perspective in terms of how much they value offensive frontcourt ability, just in terms of do we need to have a guy on offense who can consistently create his own shot or just do the offensive things that kind of Cole was talking about with uh, Jackson where we might be a little bit concerned because Keese is a guy that's just always just we don't really exactly know what he is on either end yet still we know that he can be productive and things like that and then Bender has shown a little bit of his off-bounce stuff but that's it would be bold to make any deep call on either of those guys and with Jackson the thing I'll say on him is if we look at the last two drafts and we look at the last three picks it's very clear that versatility and positionless basketball and this entire thing of we just can't have these guys who do one or two things really well. We have to guys have guys who do a bunch of things. Like Jared, uh, Josh Jackson isn't just this lockdown defender guy. He's a guy that can create his own shot and get a bucket. He's also, also this guy that can go off the dribble and create for others and make good passes. And Bender and Chris, obviously, Chris is much more athleticism-based than everything. Bender, obviously, has some of that off-the-bounce stuff, the shooting and the defense, of course. And Jackson is exactly that type of guy i mean superstar role player is what cole has brought up with bender and i think that's where he puts jackson as well and i agree that's kind of the same camp i put jackson in so i think that's where he fits um rebounding is somewhere that we should probably discuss just briefly here in terms of his fit in phoenix because bender and chris i think both of them you need a really really good rebounder next to them and that's why i really like deandre aiden's fit here 
more than others, perhaps someone like someone like Jackson, for example. I think Jackson is a good rebounder, and I think, like Cole said, he finishes a lot of plays. I think he plays hard, and I really, really love his instincts. I'm with Cole there more than probably anything else on him. I just think even when he makes mistakes on the floor, I think that he makes up for them, and just the way that he seeks out blocks and other plays, like rebounds, for example, and just even cuts to the basket, I think he's really smart. But I'm not sure that he can be the rebounder that they need to play next to one of those guys. So I, I think it's really, if you can't tell by how I'm not making an answer yet, it's it's really complicated to kind of fit him in there. But of course, the reward is this extremely versatile, almost hard to stop on both ends uh, front court if it works out. Yeah, definitely. I agree with what you said there. But when thinking about Bagley and Jackson, I've seen these comparisons start to pop up a little bit this weekend. I feel like this could be a bigger debate when we get toward the draft closer as far as who should be higher on their boards between Triple J and Bagley. And for me, I feel like all three of us now have Triple have triple J above Bagley. So I'll start off with Kellen and then I'll go with Cole. Just what made you pull off the move of going moving Bagley down your board? Because I know we said we value versatility, but Bagley also is a guy that's a walking 20 and 10 if you wanted to do, play devil's advocate here. And he could be really a supreme athlete to put him in the correct fit in an NBA system. Yeah, so funnily enough, my new big board that came out about a week or so ago, I still have Bagley ahead of Jackson. It's just extremely close for me in the 3-7 to seven range, like I said. But the reason I made that is just because I'm really valuing, I know the per 36 numbers or everything. I'm not the biggest fan of per 36 and per 40, by the way, so I'll just say that right out of the gate. But with Bagley, I just value his production so much. And with me, I keep coming back to the Ben Simmons point is that why do his weaknesses matter so much when his strengths are so strong in terms of his motor and the way he moves around the court and just the way he is around the rim. And then, of course, there are all of the flashes we see with him handling the ball and his shot and just the potential versatility of him defensively is where I'm the lowest on him. And that's maybe while when I'll wind up moving him outside of the top five is just because of my defensive concerns. But I think that his motor is so special and the way he um, handles the ball around the rim and just his touch around there and just the motor combined with his athleticism, of course, is why I'm higher on him right now than Jackson. But I think I could see myself, I'll probably wind up with Jackson over Bagley by draft night. It'll just be really close for me. And I think Bagley is ultimately the exact opposite of Jackson. This is where I'll swing it to Cole. And that like Jackson is this guy who provides so much versatility, whereas Bagley, we just don't even know what position he's going to play in the NBA. And that's, that's not versatility. That's zero versatility. Yeah, Bagley is just a tougher fit for me. I like the player. I think he's a really safe prospect. And a lot of people attribute him with the upside. I think the safety, honestly, his biggest allure is that motor, athleticism, finishing acumen that Kellen noted. He doesn't really play pick-and-roll dive man. He doesn't play that role that much for Duke. Honestly, they're mostly post-oriented. So I do think there's upside there. It's just going to take a very specific fit. Like, if you put him on New York with Porzingis, I really like that fit. I mean, of course, you probably want to run pick-and-roll with Porzingis because it's going to make the big come out and actually play him more credibly, opens up lanes for your guards. With a guy who can space the floor and protect the rim, what we call unicorns, I think that Bagley has legitimate value. I'm with Kellen, though. I think the defense is a crazy big concern. Honestly, it's not being reported enough. I know, finally, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN was hammering him in that St. John's game for his defense. I think that's been warranted all season. He just doesn't have the instincts. He doesn't have the length does well defensively outside of look good when he gets in his stance because he's more of a wing than he is a, a five yeah with his fit, oh, I was just, 
Yeah, with this fit, Cole, do you feel like he's more of a three or – and he's such a tweener. Just I think it's really dependent on where he lands. But do you feel like his best overall fit is a small ball five or more of a wing type of player? No, I think his fit has to be at the five. I don't think he's a good enough creator. Like I think the ball actually slows him down when he tries to individually create – situations like if he's in a full court situation with the ball he looks pretty fast but when you actually like watch him isolate and like face up he's not that quick with the ball he doesn't have that kind of natural ball handling coordination that like a Blake Griffin has that I think is going to be super valuable you want to just optimize his skill set yeah Kellen as far as Bagley goes do you feel like his fit in Phoenix especially it's such a weird fit with Chris and Bender I feel like if they did go Bagley they would have to move on from one of those guys just as, also, with his overall draft profile for you, how does Bagley stand out? I actually like the fit a little bit. I think this is going to come off as somewhat controversial uh, to some people listening because of like all the weaknesses we've just mentioned and what we don't like about him. But what I do like about him is just production, and you're looking at a guy like Bender who can just go missing in three or four straight games. I mean, he had three out of four games recently where he literally didn't score when he was on the court at least like 15 minutes in all those games. And that's not going to be Bagley at all. He's going to be productive in the NBA. And I think you look at him at, as someone at the five and you say, well, you want someone next to him who can potentially like protect the rim. And Bender can do that. Now, the Bender to Porzingis comp, of course, here is where our heads get uh, a little bit too, spun too much and we wind up completely dizzy out of the whole thing but I, I think you look at his fit next to Bender and Chris and you look at him next to Chris and you just say you just run the ball like crazy and let their athleticism flourish Bender is a little bit more Bender's the outside Bagley's the inside both guys provide spacing for Bagley at the four spot and I think they really need a rebounder I think when Tyson Chandler leaves or eventually isn't in this rotation it's going to become clear and even we can make this point with Alex Len it's going to become really clear that they're missing that rebounding, and I think that's where Bagley can do it. But, of course, in terms of everything that they've been drafting the past couple of years and everything we just talked about with Jackson and Bridges, that's not what Bagley is, and I think they need shooting everywhere, even center, and that's somewhere where you have concerns about Bagley and self-creation and all those types of things. But I actually don't mind the fit. I think if you had to ask me to go Bamba or Bagley right now, I think I would actually go Bagley because Bamba is someone I think – who is going to struggle initially in his first year, maybe even his second and third year, to really get his footing. And I think Bagley's going to be just ready to go right away. And I think that does matter for the Suns right now because they want to win next year. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And also with Bagley and the Bender fit, I know right now Bender, I think, is on pace to have over 300 threes this year. So do you think if Bagley was to be drafted by Phoenix Kellen, would he be the five alongside Bender at the stretch four? Yeah, it would, it would either be Chris or Bender. I don't think it really matters. That's something Cole and I talked about on our podcast on the Stepien that was that was really great and long. And if you're looking for really in-depth uh, previews on Bender and Chris and all those kind of guys, that is where you want to go. But our main point on Bender and Chris is, like, it doesn't really matter. We just don't really care what happens there right now. It's not either or for any of us. And I think both of them serve the same sort of role, which is just – make the right plays defensively make energy plays here and there whether that's like Bender doing more with passing and defense and Chris just doing more with his athleticism and transition and blocks and whatever else it is but I think both of those guys next to Bagley I don't mind the fit as much as I do with some other guys and I think I just keep coming back to like production and I think that's where Bagley is ultimately not too bad of a fit that you might assume considering all of our concerns and all that 
Yeah, Cole, and we're going to jump over real quick to Muhammad Bamba. He's a really intriguing prospect. I, I'm going to probably move him down a little bit on my board as well, just as far as consistent production goes. But but my goodness, if he hits his potential, he's going to be a, a unicorn for sure. And I'm with the 7-9 wingspan and averaging what he is now defensively, and it doesn't even count the amount of shots he defers at the rim. Just how much of a presence could Bamba be as a 5, and especially for a team like Phoenix who desperately needs rim protection almost every night they're cooked inside. Just – What's your thoughts on Bamba as a prospect? Yeah, he's a ceiling outcome play for me. The floor is not there. Like Kellen noted, it's probably going to be a multi-year process, and you're really going to have to trust the player. This is someone who said in the past that he really doesn't love the game of basketball, and I think that turned a lot of guys off. He's since corrected that, probably via his agent. But he's going to be a, he has to add strength. That's the key with him. Is It's hard to project his game because so much is tied to his work ethic. How much time is he going to put in to develop the right muscles? Can he anchor a defense? Because we've seen the rim protection is there. Like, he has such a high margin for error with his length. Even if he's not the quickest to react, I thought in that game against Oklahoma was probably the worst I've seen him play in transition running back. He was late reacting to drives. That was kind of the stereotypes about him that manifested there. And it was disconcerting to see. 